Hello, and welcome to the family at World Harvest Outreach. I want to talk to you today about forgiveness. It's been on my heart, and I want to give you just some insight from the scriptures about this term, forgive or forgiveness, and how I think either forgiveness or the lack of forgiveness has deep and lasting impact in our lives. So I want to just, I'm just going to dive right into it just so you guys, I don't want to waste time today because I, I really feel like there's some ministry that's going to happen as a result of this. So I took some time and I really studied the word forgive both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And it's a very similar definition across the whole of the Bible. And I was a little surprised by what the definition is, both in the Hebrew and in the Greek. And the term forgive is a, a, it's a pretty general term. And it means to separate, to lift off, or to remove. Which kind of surprised me because that's not what I would think of when I think of the word forgive. But both in the Old and in the New Testament, throughout the Bible, to forgive means to remove, to separate, or to lift off. Which, and if you actually think about that term, it's super general. Which means there has to be context then to give it true meaning. So to forgive means to, again, to separate, to lift off, or to remove. And then we have to think about what it means in context to know what we're separating, to know what we're removing, and to know what we're lifting off. And so I spent time with that this week in my spirit. Like I was just asking the Lord, what does that mean to you? Because it's really important that we understand what what it means when God forgives. Okay? And from that, we can distill into what it means for us to forgive. And so I was thinking about this. And anytime we ever talk about forgiveness, we also have to think about this term or this phrase that is often used, uh, which means to forgive and forget. How many people have heard that? You know, those two terms are put together. And what makes that a really difficult thing, just for me personally, is that like when something happens to you, it's really difficult to forget it. In fact, the human mind was not designed to forget. The human mind was actually designed to remember. Hello? Like that's actually how you were designed. And really the only way you forget is the decay of your own memory. And I have that problem a lot. Does anybody else have that problem of like you forget things you don't want to forget? Hello? And then you don't forget things that you wish you could forget. Why, why is that? Like, why does that seem to be the characteristics of our brain? But it's true. Like, you're standing in front of somebody and you know you know their name. But for the life of you, you cannot recall that name. So, you know, if I ever call you big guy, it's because I forgot your name. <laughs> or, hey, you, right? You know, you come up with something. But then there's other things that no matter how hard you try, it comes up immediately in your memory. And oftentimes, it has to do with its impact on your life. And it goes back to this, this idea of faith that I've, 
I have been wrestling with for a long time. And the idea of one of the definitions of faith for me, along with Hebrews 11.1, 1, is the ongoing discourse that you have within yourself. And I think if there's a dialogue that goes on regularly inside yourself, that is often your faith. It's what you believe to be real or you believe to be true. This ongoing, deep dialogue that goes on inside yourself. And that is a practiced dialogue. That is something, whether it's conscious or subconscious, you are practicing a dialogue often with yourself. Most of the discussions you have, you have with yourself. It's the truth. Verbal dialogue that you have with other people is not nearly as numerous as the ongoing dialogue that's going on inside of yourself. And that's the most important discussion. Okay? And often your memory is tied to your dialogue. Your inner dialogue. And so you remember what you talk about the most. And that is why I believe it's connected to faith. Because I think faith has a lot to do with deep, impacting moments that you've had in your life. Okay? So, and that's why I feel like forgiveness and forgetfulness, or forgiveness and remembrance, your memory, are tied to each other. I think they are. And I think it's important when they say forgive and forget. I think it's important that they say that because your ability to remember something determines your ability to hold on to it or to let it go. So, like I said, in both the Old and the New Testament, the idea of forgiveness means to separate, to remove, or to lift off. And I'm going to go to the next step now and kind of define it within this term forgiveness. The ability to forgive biblically means our ability to lift off of someone what they've done wrong. I just want to leave that with you. Your ability to forgive is tied to your ability to separate what someone has done from who they are. That's forgiveness, biblically. Now, God demonstrates this in his ability. You guys know that phrase, as far as the east is from the west, so has God separated our sin from us. Hello? Like, that's forgiveness. And for me, like, that is such a stark, simple definition of how God forgives. He just decides that Jason... And Jason's wrongdoing are no longer connected. Think about that. So our ability to forgive is tied to the exact same action. Can we separate people from what they've done wrong? If you can... You're a forgiver. (laughs) And if you can't, you're struggling to forgive right now. So when someone, let's just think of someone who has done wrong in your brain. Let's just, let's just think of someone. I, I, this is, this is a good exercise because we're going to do the other part of this later. So think of someone who has done you wrong. 
Think of someone. Can you, when you think about them, legitimately separate them from what they've done to you? Or when you think about them, what is it that you think about? Like even in my, my own way of bringing this up, I asked you, think of someone who has done you wrong. So it's kind of hard to separate those two things when you're thinking of someone in terms of what they've done wrong. Okay? So maybe a better thing would be think of someone, period. And when you think about them, what do you think about? Almost as if, like, in every one of your brains is a catalog of people. Whether you have it or not. Like when I was growing up, there was these catalogs that got sent to us in the mail. How many people remember when that was still a thing? Yeah? Yeah? Like I actually remember my dad looking at the Sears catalog and you could buy a house. Anybody? No one remembers that? My dad would save the Sears catalogs. Like, so he would have them from the 50s and the 60s, and he would show me house packages where you could buy them from Sears, and you could put them on a lot that you owned. Sears doesn't even exist anymore, but back when it did, that's where Craftsman Tools came from and all that stuff. So, but here's the thing. I don't know why I brought that up. That has nothing to do with this story. But in every one of your brains, you were built by God, designed by him to be so impacted by the people you encounter that they take a place in your soul. Every single person you've encountered, they have a place in your soul. That is a good thing. Designed by God that they have a dwelling place in your heart. And we should thank the Lord for that. In that catalog is a description that goes along with each person. How are we doing so far? Great. Yeah. Now, for a lot of us, it's more of a subconscious thing than a conscious thing. And as we encounter those people throughout our life, we add or alter the definitions. Yeah. Right? Yeah, let's think about it. So, someone that we first encounter, and, and has anybody have like an initial encounter with somebody and thought certain things about them? Yeah. And then the more you encountered them, your thoughts, definition, description under their picture in the yearbook of your soul, <laughs> come on, yeah. it changes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Thank God in the yearbook, in the high school yearbook, you got to write what was under your picture. Imagine if the rest of the school got to write what was under your picture. Forgiveness is tied to all of this. Forgiveness is the ability that in the picture that's in the catalog of your soul under any particular person's name is honor. Is the, is the description that the Father has about them. Your forgiveness or lack thereof is seen in what you write underneath the picture in the catalog of your soul. Am I making sense so far? Like I'm just, I'm, I'm making this super easy, super plain, overly imagery, so to speak, so that you can see this, okay? So, 
The question I, I ask myself, because this, every human being has this same question and it has this same struggle. How do we forgive when we cannot forget what people have done to us? Or people have done, period. They might not have even done something to you, but they've done something. Maybe to someone else you love. Or maybe they've just done a thing, and as a result of the thing they have done, they have this stigma attached to them in your soul. How are we doing? This has happened. Even like historical figures. Like, like, you know, Hitler is the great one to bring up. Like, everyone brings up Hitler and just, you know, did God forgive Hitler and all this kind of stuff. Let's just go to the extreme, right? But in that catalog, under his picture, in your brain, is what? What's the description? Mass murderer. Anybody? Something along those lines, right? Like a... Someone who hated Jews to the point where he just decided he was going to try to eradicate a complete... Like, that's the description under his picture in your brain, right? How difficult is it for you to imagine that inside the catalog of the Father, that description isn't there? Come on. This is really hard for us to do because... We connect behavior, decisions, actions with people. And they're intricately connected within our soul. And it is very difficult, except by the Spirit, to extricate those two things. Hello? But our ability to do so is forgiveness. You good? Yeah. You know, it might not be good, but do you at least understand where I'm at so far? Yeah. Okay. So, if our brain was designed to remember, that's how we were designed. And we do not forget these things that have been done. How do you forgive? Ray, you got a word? Are you going to ask a question or are you going to give an answer? I was just letting go. I do. Even though I do remember, I just let it go. Even though I see the person... Smile and wave. Smile and wave. Yeah. Okay. So it sounds pretty easy for a ray. Is it that easy for everybody? I'm just making sure. All right. Because I can stop right now and we can just pray and we can go home early if it's as easy for a ray. No, 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 no. I just have a feeling it's a little more difficult for others. And for some of you, certain people, easy to forgive. For other people, if they just do the littlest thing, you're just ready to crucify them. Anybody? You know it's true, but that's tied to what they've done in the past. Okay? Oftentimes, if, it's, if you struggle, or if you see someone, and as soon as you see them, you cannot help it, you start judging them in your heart. Anybody? I, I know I'm talking to you. I know I'm talking to you. It's because of something that they did in the past, and you still associate them with that. And in that moment, anything and everything they do, currently, 
is seen through that lens. Okay, so how do we forgive when we cannot forget the wrongdoing of another? Let's just go down this road for a little bit, okay? Because even if it's easy for you and you just forgive quickly, I still want you to know that at any point in time, that could change. And you could run into a situation, an event, because every situation has a person. And in that person, or in that situation, you might suddenly find yourself in a position where I will not forgive. Because part, here, here, here's the deal. I want to kind of give you the reason why you don't forgive. Because in most cases, this is true. I'm not saying in every case, but in most cases, this is true. There is a feeling that if we forgive, then justice isn't done. It's true sometimes. If we forgive, that means that what they did, which was wrong, is somehow okay. Hello? Yeah. I'm not saying that's true. I'm just saying that's what's going on inside of us. If we forgive, then that thing that, like Ray said, just let them go. But then they can go do that to somebody else. Or something along those lines of, then they think that's okay. Something along those lines is going on inside of us when we're offered the opportunity to forgive somebody. Hello? Yeah. Yeah. I, I know that's what's happening inside of me. And there's a part of me where justice is tied to, no, 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 no. They need to know for the rest of eternity that what they did will never be good, will never be right, will never be what God wanted. And if we do forgive them, is it possible because of their conscience that's seared, they'll eventually think, oh, well, so-and-so forgave me, so I'm good. Again, not saying that that's an accurate feeling, but that's what's going on inside of us that causes like that challenge to rise up when we say, when we hear the heart of the Father say, forgive. You hear his spirit on the inside of you. Say, let them go, like Ray said. But then that other thing rises up on the inside of you. Hello? Whatever that other thing is. And I might not have described exactly what's going on inside of you, but I, I, I will tell you that's what's going on inside of me. Like, if I forgive them, they're going to think it's okay. And then they could do it to me again, or they could do it to others again, more vulnerable than me. Hello? Yeah, struggle like they might have to do it to you again. See, some, see some, sometimes, like, you know, even though, like, you know, heaven's real God, and, uh, and it carries, something that carries along with you for the rest of your life. Right. Yeah. Something carries along with you for the rest of your life. It marks you. Yeah, it does. Like, you know, I, I, I was there telling Tim and like, you know, um, years, for years, I've been telling people, like, you know, um, I know what Jesus went through. All the slashing, the spitting, the slapping. What did he do? He kept on standing. Nick, go ahead and put that verse up. Because that's the first verse, Luke 23. Because Ray just walked us right into it. Thank you. Now we're on track. Now we're tracking. So I think inside of this verse, for me, is the key to how to let people go. I'm not saying forget. 
I had to let them go. Because I actually think your memory is good. I don't think, no, 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 I think it's good. I'm going to show you how, right in the midst of what Jesus is saying here, why I think it's good that we remember. Okay? Jesus was saying, and where was he saying this, by the way? He's on the cross. This is really important. Okay? So he is on the cross. He's already experienced all the whipping, all the beating, all the spitting. Okay? This is toward the end of his passion, his suffering. Okay? And it says that he's got a criminal on the right and the left. He's got all the insults being hurled at him below. He knows, here's the crazy thing, he knows he has the power to lift himself up and off of that thing. Right there. He has the power to do all of that. And this is what he says. He says, Father, forgive them. Now, this is one of those verses where it sounds like the Father is up here and Jesus is here on the cross. And I just want to take a pause for a second, commercial break from the message, and tell you that I don't believe God is schizophrenic in this verse. I don't believe the Father and Jesus are separate. It says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself on the cross. Okay? In this moment, I think Jesus is speaking to us not as son of God, but as son of man. Okay? Jesus is the only person to have ever walked fully God and fully human at the same time. Okay? So in different moments, he will speak, and he's speaking as a human, and there's other times where he speaks where he's speaking as the Father. And they're both equally powerfully existent at the same time. You guys with me? So in this moment, he's speaking as a human, beautiful, perfected human. And he's talking to his Father like we would talk to him, and he's saying, forgive them. And then these next words for me, are the key to every single person's ability to forgive. For they do not know what they are doing. That perspective, in the midst of his bleeding, in the midst of his, literally, when you crucify, what happens is you, you, you slowly sink. Does anybody know what happens in the crucifixion process? It's similar to hanging. You literally suffocate. Okay? Which, has anybody ever heard, like, it's one of the worst ways to die, is to suffocate, like to drown? It's, yeah. So as he's doing that, he's able to breathe out these words. And these are the words he feels like it's really important. Now, who is he really saying this for? Whose benefit? Is he, it's for us. He, in, what's that? Yeah. Right, he's exemplifying how to do this. For what us... Because don't forget, I said he's being human in this moment, Dan. Right. So he's showing us how to forgive. So he's given us a perspective that I believe is the most beautiful human perspective to have when it comes in terms of forgiveness. And it's to see every human who is doing wrong, what? Look at it. It's right there. They don't know what they're doing. Okay, so now I can already hear all the arguments of the flesh rising up. Come on, who's got them? I got them right now. As I'm thinking about it, oh, yes, they do know what they're doing. They have practiced this. They have designed it. They have premeditated it. Come on, somebody. Yeah. 
I still say that that is legitimate in the midst of those feelings because I have them just like you. All right? And so again, I want to think about this from the perspective of the Father. And this is when Jesus calls out. Because think about this. You know, I want to believe that when Jesus says, Father, forgive them, that he already has. But still, it's, it's this cry for our benefit, like Dan said. Like, Father, forgive them. And almost like inside of that, or in, like immersed in why? Why would I forgive them? And Jesus' reply to the why is, they don't know what they're doing. Almost as if they're out of their minds. And if you think about that moment in time, Let's just, let's, let's fragment this down, even though I think it globally applies. Let's fragment this down to this moment in time when Jesus says they don't know what they're doing. And you do remember the context of this, right? They're, they're, it's a mob. And they, they're in a frenzy stirred up, I think, you know, this is Mark's perspective, by the religious community to be convinced that he was a heretic claiming equality with God. That's basically the reason why they felt legitimized in crucifying Jesus. So, and they, they're stirred up in all of this, and there's this, there's this thing that's going on, and have you ever been in that position where you're just stirred up by feelings, or you're stirred up by a circumstance, or you're stirred up by what is going on around you, and in a moment of you lose yourself, has anybody ever lost themselves and said something or done something that was outside of what you knew was right? I just want to know if I'm in the right room. Okay. And in that moment, they corporately agree that him being on the cross is right and appropriate. Okay. So in that moment, they are in this mob, stirred up fury believing that they are actually righteously killing somebody because he has spoken equality with God, which is an absolute sin. Okay? And he says they don't know what they're doing. So we need to think about this now. Let's think about that phrase, they do not know what they are doing, not from the human perspective, but from Father's perspective. Okay, So I'm going to ask every single one in this room, because every one of you is a child of the Father, I want you to think like your Father. And I want you to know you can do that. I want you to elevate your thought process up from this world and the things that are happening all around us in the context of this current situation called the world. I want you to lift yourself up to the Father's perspective. And I want you to think about the people in your life who are currently doing you wrong or have done you wrong in the past. Don't think about it from your perspective. Think about it from the Father's Lift yourselves up. I'm just going to pause here for a second while we elevate our thinking because you can intentionally elevate your thought processes above natural. From the Father's perspective, it is rare that someone has wisdom or a proper perspective when they're transgressing. Again, 
Don't think of this from a human perspective. Think of it from the Father's perspective. It is rare that when someone does something wrong, they are operating in wisdom or a proper heavenly perspective. Would you all agree? Yeah, obviously, or they wouldn't be doing wrong. Unintentional wrongdoing is either out of ignorance or immaturity. Unintentional wrongdoing, okay? What I love about this subject is that even though we can think about other people that have done us wrong, we also need to think about ourselves, okay? So if, it, if you struggle to think of other people this way, maybe you can think about yourself this way. When someone does something unintentionally wrong to someone else, it's usually the result of ignorance, which is a lack of knowledge or a lack of understanding, or immaturity, a lack of growth. Has anybody ever hurt you and it was purely because they didn't know it was wrong? Like they were, they have not grown. They have not matured to the place where they realize that what they're saying or doing is hurtful to somebody else. It's very possible. Yes. Like it's amazing how quickly we forgive children when they tell us we're fat. Anybody? Yeah. Or when they say whatever it is that they say that's really, really honest, but not appropriate. You forgive them because... They're young. You want to say something? Yeah, like a perfect example of that is like sometimes David will just pick up a rock and just whack you. And he doesn't know what he's doing. He's just shaking the thing. And <laughs> so when he hits you with it, you're like, ouch. Yeah, like, right. Like, hey, go hit it. <laughs> right. So from his perspective, he's just like, oh, this is play. And that's my dad. And probably from his perspective, he thinks dad is invincible. <laughs> Hello? Yeah. yeah. And so this thing, well, bam, poof. And dad's like, oh. I've had my son hurt me sometimes. I had to heck like it was fine. It's good. Yeah. I had to act tough. But it's true. Immaturity leads to a lot of pain. If, from the father's perspective, you can see someone's immaturity. You're able to separate what they've done to hurt you from them. There's an explanation. There's an understanding that goes along with that. Ignorance. Okay, someone could be 50 years old and literally be ignorant. Have a lack of knowledge of something. It could be from their upbringing. It could be from their own pain. Their own scarring that happened in their lives. A complete lack of understanding of what they are doing, and but they hurt as a result. And don't forget, this is under the definition of unintentional pain or unintentional wrongdoing. There's also intentional wrongdoing. Now that's the one, from my perspective, and I think from everyone else's room, that's hard to separate from the person. The intentional wrongdoing. We're like back to like premeditated or thoughtful wrongdoing. That's one, that's the one where it's a little more difficult. Okay? And I would say that in almost every single case, again, there's always going to be exceptions, but in almost every single case, intentional wrongdoing is the result of pain. You have experienced hurt or pain, and then you in turn do the same to somebody else. 
No matter whether or not you consciously know that what has happened to you was wrong. Unhealed pain always results in unhealed behavior. It does. Okay? So intentional wrongdoing is the result of pain. Something that has happened to them. Something that, whether they chose it or somebody else chose it, and it's unresolved, it's unhealed, it's unforgiven on the inside of them. And don't forget, I do believe that that is a faith in them. That is a concrete reality on the inside of them because it's unhealed, because it's unresolved. It is as real as who Jesus is. And in some cases, it is more real than who Jesus is. There are situations in people's lives right now that were so deeply impacting that they have a more stark impact on the life than Jesus. That is a reality. It's a very scary reality, but it is a reality. Hello? And until an encounter with Jesus overwhelms that, that becomes their place from which they live. We live. And it hurts people. You guys okay so far? All right. So, in all of these cases, and this, again, I... I am now speaking from the context of the Father. Don't forget, you're supposed to still be there. I know talking about some of this stuff sucked you back down into some thinking that might not be the Father's, but I'm reminding you, come back up here. Come back up here. Okay? A person who commits wrongdoing, you can say sin, you can say hurtful behavior, whatever it is, but a person who commits this crime is not being who they were originally created to be. Can we all agree with that? Because who we were originally created to be does not cause pain. Does not incur injury on others. Intentionally or unintentionally. Now just stick with me here, okay? It's possible that someone acting fully, 100% in who they are, could be seen wrongly. That's happened. Has anybody had completely pure motives and still hurt somebody else? Yeah. Oftentimes that's because they experience you through the experience you through the filter of other people's actions, behaviors. I've had this happen to me. I I can often be a father figure in the lives of other people, whether I realize it or not. And so if people have had bad experiences with their natural father, and then they experience me, they automatically assume that my attitude and behavior toward them is similar or the same as what they've experienced of their natural father. And as a result, they experience me that way, even though my heart is pure toward them. Anybody? Yeah. Yeah. I might have even done it to you. Here's the point. And again, back to the scripture that's right in front of us. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Seeing people the way the Father sees his children is the key for me that forgives them, separates them from what they're doing wrong. You guys with me so far? Okay. From the Father's perspective, this person, as painful and as hurtful as they are, is the father's child. 
How he forgives them is he does not associate their behavior with who they are. We do. We connect people to their behavior. We say what they do is who they are. Come on. Wave your hand at me if you've done this. What they do is who they are. I, I, there are probably banners and t-shirts and things like that somehow that say this thing. You are what you do. And it sounds legitimate. And it actually sounds like it's proven. It can be very real. I can watch you and what you do tells me who you are. And I will tell you from a purely human context, world down here context, you can find a lot of things to agree with that. But from the father's perspective, that is not how he thinks. He does not connect behavior with identity. Your false identity. Let me go there for a second. Okay? So I want to go over here on the wall is, it's not a watered down, but it is a switched words around of what the real word uh, definition of honor is in the Bible. Okay. Throughout the scriptures, you have this word honor. And again, it's another one of those words that from Old Testament to New Testament, the definition is very similar. Honor is to see who someone really is. Agree with that value that's discovered within them, okay? In many cases, when you look at someone, you determine who they are based upon how they're acting. That's a human way of evaluating somebody. That's not how the father evaluates somebody. As much as they act out, whoever they is, the father sees through behavior to who we originally designed them to be. And he decides forever that that's who they are. So, and I've said this before and I think it's worth repeating. When you pray about something going on in your life and the Lord responds to you and it feels like he is completely disconnected from what you just prayed. Has anybody ever done that? Where you're talking to the Lord about something, you're really angry about it, or you're really frustrated about it, or you're really excited about it, but the Lord replies to you, and you're kind of like, where, where did that come from? He's talking to who we really are. And what we were originally created to do. But we're really caught up in whatever it is in the moment, and we're like, come on, come on, get really excited about this, you know? And you know, like he'll he'll connect there, but he wants to go deeper. And your father is so committed to who you really are that he doesn't have an allegiance to things that you're not. But we do. We have an allegiance to things that we are not, and we are convinced that we are those things. But the father's like, ah, if you can let go of that. There's an incredible life for you to live. Okay? This is how your, your father is so committed to real honor that he will not honor things that you aren't. 
And it's offensive to some of us because we are 100% convinced that we are who that is. So let's go back to this faith being where we have been impacted. Faith being to where we've been hurt. You can so identify with pain that it becomes who you are. It defines you. To you, it defines you. And then you come before God and you want to talk about that thing and he treats you like it's not there. Come on. Yeah. Amen. Have you ever had someone, real life person, talk to you like you didn't experience some trauma in your past? Trauma. Have you ever had someone not honor the trauma of your past? How does that go with you? Mm. This is a touchy subject. I'll tell you why. Because in these last, I would say, five to ten years, it is extremely important that we honor people's pain and honor people's trauma. I think there's a difference between being understanding of what someone has gone through and honoring it. You can understand where someone has come from, understand what someone has done, but not give it honorable place. Hello? The moment you give trauma an honorable place, you empower unforgiveness. When you give pain, trauma, or whatever, honorable place, you empower unforgiveness. Because you tell somebody that has marked your life forever, and now you will never be the same person, so live from that point forward. That does not have the spirit of your father attached to it. The spirit of your father, uh, and this is, this is going to be really difficult because it does not connect to this mentality that I think we've been taught recently. The spirit of your father connects with you at your original identity he thought about. Jeremiah 1. Before you were made in your mother's womb, I knew you. I knew you. I know who you are before you are. Wrong tenses, but it works. Before the pain of your life, you were this. Before you were more than one cell, I knew you. How are we doing? Look, I think I'm going to stand by this. Again, we're in the Father's perspective. He understands. He is an understanding Savior who's been tempted in every way, just like we've been tempted. He understands. And His Spirit exists to empower you past understanding to who you were originally created to be. Your trauma, your pain, your whatever you experience, no matter how awful, is not supposed to define who you are going forward. Mm. This goes against some things that you might have heard or learned recently. And I want you to know, I think we handicap ourselves and others by thinking that, okay, as a result of this, you will always limp, but it'll be okay. I don't believe that to be true. I don't believe that to be true. I believe you can walk without one. It doesn't mean that if you're limping, you're not beautiful and holy and acceptable in the sight of God. But I want to say this to you. 
that hitch in your spirit every time you get to name a certain person or name a certain situation or that. It doesn't have to remain a point of tripping for you. It doesn't have to. It can, but it doesn't have to. So, seeing people the way the Father sees His children separates their sin from who they truly are. I actually think this particular area, if we can do that, oh, I'm sorry, we're back to Jeremiah 1, but if we can do what Jesus asked the Father to do in Luke 23, I think we begin to walk as true sons and daughters of the Father. Holy and healthy. I think this is how heaven comes to earth. Because I think heaven wants to come to earth through every single one of us. And uh, in your uh, sink, on your sink faucet, you have this little thing called an aerator. How many people know what that is? Okay, It's that little uh, screeny type thing that's up underneath that you don't see, but it's under there. And a lot of your new faucets come with a little plastic tool where you can unscrew that, clean it out, and put it back in. And if you ever notice, if you ever run your faucet, it comes out nice and smooth. But if you take that aerator out, that water comes through a lot stronger. Like there's a lot more water pressure from your sink. That aerator in there funnel or filters the amount of water that comes through this faucet at any one time. I believe heaven works through human beings the same way. I believe that you have this filter, aerator, whatever you want to call it, that slows down or, uh, what's the word? Limits, regulates. Uh, there's another word that I've actually studied it when it comes to the kingdom of God. I can't think of the word right now. It's going to come to me and I'm just going to blurt it out like a burp. But yeah, limit and all that stuff. It's just going to come out. But uh, And I think unforgiveness is tied to that. I think those hitches, those limping points in our life, those traumatic moments in our life create like that cross member where the kingdom wants to come through, but it runs into interference. Control. Another good word, but it's not the word. I'm going to think of the word. And it's stronghold. All those are great words. It's a very technical term. It's like one of those terms you would know, Chris, and I just can't think of it right now. It's going to bother me. I'm just going to, it's going to come out at some point in time. Yeah, like tonight, like I'm going to be laying in bed and wake Dawn up with this word. Okay. Nonetheless, what's going on here is that heaven is meant to have zero friction. In heaven, the ways of God have no opposition. In heaven, what God wants happens. What God thinks happens. Heaven on earth is the same. Lack of heaven on earth is because heaven comes and runs into a filter, something that ebbs the flow, that throttle. Thank you. Throttles the flow. That's the word. If the throttle means, isn't a throttle how much fuel gets into the engine? Isn't that what the throttle is? Okay, there is a throttle on the inside of you and it opens and closes depending upon what's happening in your life. And if you are thinking about who and what has hurt you, the throttle closes. And not as much of the kingdom comes out because you're thinking about how you have been hurt. You're thinking about what is going on here. Jesus is experiencing all of that in this moment. And he says, 
They just don't get it. They don't, they are not being themselves. And in that moment, he is able to release the fullness of heaven through himself. I believe this is the reason why he's able to resurrect. Right here. What he's able to do here is how he's able to resurrect. So, in my mind, forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is deciding that one's behavior is not who they are. And you can look at a person with fresh eyes. You can look at every single person and decide they're my father's child. And when they are being however they're being toward me, they don't know what they're doing. They are literally out of their mind. They're not connected to who they're originally created to be. So let me just really quick give you how I see a human being. So I think a human being was designed by God, pure, holy, innocent. I think every baby born comes into the earth like this beautiful, holy, innocent, blank slate. I believe it with all my heart. And they come in and they literally, the life cries, write me. Even though there's an original design already written in it, it's born into this earth. And then no matter how hard you try, the context of this earth begins to write itself on us. And over time, we begin to develop an identity that was not what God originally authored. And I almost think like, and if you've been in SOS, you see this, but if you have been in SOS, it's like almost like this shell or this layer that's built over who we are. And this part of us, I don't want to say goes to sleep. There's a better word than that, but dormant is probably a good word, where the cover becomes who we think we are. And then we walk into the world and we're telling everybody else that this cover around us is who we are. And we interact with people based on this shell. Everyone, and we believe it. Every once in a while, this person might burst out and burst forth. It might have moments where it makes its way all the way out to other people around us. But often this is the part we're convinced of. And whatever we're convinced of, back to faith, we tell the rest of the world. And then Jesus comes. And he invigorates, brings to life this person. And so we come alive. And this is who, that, this is uh, Romans chapter 8 says, then our spirit identifies with God's spirit that we're his children and we cry out. Remember what the words are? Abba, Father. For the first time, we join with the Father's spirit, agreeing that that is our Father. Hello? So this person comes alive. And then we get to spend the rest of our lives, this person growing, learning who God the Father is, and we shed everything that we were never meant to be. Hello? Now, in those moments, we have moments where the old version of us, the version that we thought we were, creeps back in. Because we spent a long time investing in that person. Hello? Yeah. Yeah. Or other people spend a long time investing in that person, convincing us that's who we are, treating us that way. But the Spirit of the Father is constantly telling you, this is who you are. You're my son. You're my daughter. Ongoing, regularly being communicated that way. Okay, so 
Your ability to forgive is connected to you seeing people the way God originally created them and not being convinced of even what they would say they are. That's what makes it really difficult. Most, I wouldn't say most, many people believe that they are the false version of themselves. Many of us, maybe even in this room, still believe that God created me this way. And that's the false version of yourself lying to you. By the way, right there is the reason why you struggle to forgive yourself. Because you think that's how you are. So, if we can make the decision to see people, let's, let's, let's take it off ourselves for a second, but I am going to go there. If we can choose to decide to see others when they do wrong towards you, they're broken. When they do wrong toward us, they're living the false version of who they were created to be. When they do wrong toward us, they are not walking in the wisdom of God, the Spirit of God, the influence of God's Spirit in their life. If you can decide to see people that way, forgiveness is like breathing. Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13 that love keeps no record of wrongs. You guys remember that one? Out of all the ones in that set of definitions or descriptions of what love is or what love does, that's the tripping one for most of us. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Remember back to that picture of them in the yearbook of your soul? And under it is the description of who they are. Love would never write what they did wrong. And who is love? So God, if he writes a description under their picture in your life, they're writing the positive impact they've had on you. God's writing that. That false version of ourselves wants to use this really great, big, three-letter word. But. But, yeah, but. I forget you, but. So all of these things that they have done, positive in my life. Yes, God. They have done all these things. Everybody say it. But. 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 And in that moment, when you say but, you run into your ability or lack of ability to forgive. Man, if we can get past our butt. Seriously, that's not just a play on words. If we can get past our butt and decide that everything that comes after the butt is not who they are. Just decide that today. Even if you don't feel it, Honor decides that what mom or dad did is not who they are. Hello? Or what they're doing. 
Let's just make it more real. What someone is still currently doing in my life is not who they are. The spirit of your father comes in and reminds you of who they are and empowers your ability to walk past that pain into beauty, into health, into abundance. I'm I'm convinced that some of you are literally this close to freedom and abundance in your life. Walk past whatever comes after everything God says about somebody. Walk past it. Because after what God says about somebody is what you have experienced about them. You guys hearing me? I want you to hear this. I want you to get this in your soul. Whatever you say after God's done describing them is your unforgiveness. God is going to talk about your, uh, what's the word, like uh, your perpetrator, your, the person that's done you wrong, whatever that word is. He is going to talk about that person, and when you first hear him talk about that person, you are not going to know who he's talking about. You're going to be like, who? And in that moment, if you don't know who he's talking about, there's some forgiveness that needs to take place. And it's a beautiful opportunity because I want to tell you something. I believe that every area unhealed in your life has unforgiveness attached to it. Every area of our life that's still unhealed has unforgiveness involved. You have chosen to not see them the way the Father sees them, but the way they treated you. And in that moment, we can't move forward. And here's the thing. When you see someone not the way the Father sees them, but the way they treated you, you negate God's impact through them on your life. Hello? Because every person's brought into your life for God to bless you, to impact you, to give you growth and abundance and an increase. But when you see their pain that they've inflicted on you, you negate the kingdom that was meant to come through them. And you can't move forward there. And here's what ends up happening. That particular person's impact on your life blocks everyone else's impact on your life. Similar. Go ahead, Diane. You, you're saying you said every area of your unhealed life has unforgiveness attached to it. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So let's finish there because that's where I wanted to finish and that's where I think the ministry is. So you have done really dumb things. Because you are someone else's perpetrator. Right now, you are the center of the universe. In your own mind, you are the center. Have you ever had moments where you're just like, I am the freaking bomb. Have you ever had moments like that where you're just like, everybody should know this. Everybody should experience this. Anybody? Yeah. That's also the same person that thinks everyone's out to get you. Everyone's out to hurt you. Everyone's out to take something from you. Everyone's out to whatever it is. Okay? All right. So, I need you to know that in the same way that someone has hurt you, you have hurt someone. It's actually a really humbling thing to realize that you've been someone else's perpetrator. It's very humbling. 
okay? But if you have the ability to see yourself the same way I've just challenged you to see everyone else, the way the Father sees you, it's almost easier in many people's cases to see other people the way the Father sees them than to see ourselves the way the Father sees us. Okay, Mark, I can get that. I, I can challenge myself. But you don't know what I've done. You don't know me. Everyone else, forgivable. Not this one. Some of us struggle there. And as a result, when we can't forgive ourselves, it becomes that much harder to forgive other people. Okay? So I think it's all sourced here. I'm kind of like bringing this in to the closest parts of who we are. Okay? You have got to decide that honoring yourself is as important as honoring others. And what is the definition of honor? Seeing the way the Father created them and deciding that's who they are. You have to decide that your Father made you beautiful. The Father made you holy. The Father made you without any error. Because many of us think of ourselves and we think of our frailties. We think of our personality disorders. <laughs> Come on. You think about your anxiousness or your, your tendency to fear or your tendency to be judgmental. Whatever it is, oftentimes those things will crawl up into your radar before the things that are incredible about you. You know, I was, I was being kind of funny about saying everybody should experience this, but in reality, a healthy, whole person actually thinks everyone should experience this. But not in a <laughs> kind of way, but in a they're missing out on who Jesus is if they don't see me kind of way. Honoring yourself is actually believing that when you're in prayer and you're actually intentionally spending time with your father and he says beautiful things that you agree. If a but comes up when God tells you incredible things about you, you have unforgiveness towards yourself. If someone else comes up to you and tells you something powerful and beautiful and incredible about yourself, and in the name of humility, you butt the living crap out of them, you have unforgiveness towards yourself. Hey, hey, Jason, calm down a little bit. Because I want this to be serious. Because many of us throw our butt in front of people all the time and throttle the kingdom. Because it's, it's a struggle to forgive yourself. You've failed yourself. You've failed others. You have failed, period. You have spoken ill. You have reacted with your temper. Or you have uh, shrunk back in fear. Whatever it is that you have done, that you consistently remind yourself about, I want you to know now, that's not who you are. And your father does not relate to you according to those things. 
he relates to you according to the incredible person he created. He is constantly at work to empower the person you are. Oh, I love that phrase. Your father is consistently and constantly at work empowering the person you really are. All the time. He is not trying to figure out how to deal with the person you're not. The way you are. I think we spend more time trying to figure out the best crutch to deal with the issue in our life instead of focusing on the strength and the beauty and the power that we are. Hello? Now that, and I've been hearing that recently in our culture in the last five to ten years. Just as much as we've been hearing about the honor people's trauma and all that kind of stuff, which I don't agree with, I do agree with this thought. Think about how powerful you are. Be constantly reminded of your beauty. I think that's my father. I hear my father's voice in that. Because that's how he thinks about us. And if you struggle with that thought process, you know, not all of us are parents, but if you think of someone in your life, and like there's someone in your life that you're just like, I just absolutely adore them. Think of someone right now. Think of someone in your life that you're just like, all right, I'll just say it this way. They can do no wrong. Do you have anybody? Some of you, if you struggle with that, there's a lot of unforgiveness you got to deal with. But it's good. It's all good. But like like little kids, little kids, it's a real easy one. Like little kids, you're just like, yeah, they're acting like an idiot, but just look at them. I mean, we've said this before. Kids are doing a thing, and it's, it's awful. Like, they're drawing a picture, or they're, they're telling you it's this, and it looks like nothing. But you act like it's the Mona Lisa, right? Or whatever it is they're doing. Like, that is honor. Right there, in that moment. If you need to know what honor looks like, think of that. Think of someone who is pure and innocent and doing this thing for you. And it's awful, but you love it. Or it, it does not hit the mark at all, but for some reason it hits the mark perfectly. Anybody? That's honor. Because you're seeing past what they're trying to do to who they are. Just do that for everybody. And the spirit of your father empowers you to do that. And do it for you. Like start with you. Start with you that when you think about someone and your first thought is negative, go, well, okay, I know who I am, but this other version of me is thinking that way. Let's go back to this. And you practice thinking beautiful about somebody. Like practice it. Practice thinking powerful about somebody else. Practice thinking about someone who has hurt you and start practice thinking another way about them. This is a practice. I believe forgiveness takes practice. Separating what they've done from who they are is going to take practice. If anybody's ever watched a full surgery take place, separating things in the human body Some of those surgeries are 8, 10, 12 hours long. Sometimes even longer, where one surgeon's got to come in and spell the other. 
Now, think about how long it could take someone who has practiced lifelong unforgiveness. It's going to take time. But you can start now to practice believing a new thought about yourself or someone else. You know you can, right? It's possible. And we have our Father's Spirit to empower in our weakness. So, let's pray. And this guy rarely, if ever, has done an altar call in the last 15 years, but I'm doing one today. Like an altar call, like a literal, physical, let's call this the altar today. And if you are someone, and I'm, I'm going I'm to label this specifically as it comes to ourselves, okay? I want to bring this home, because I think the root of all unforgiveness is our ability to forgive ourselves. Don't think about someone who's hurt you. Think about yourself. Because in many cases, this is what happens when we get hurt by someone else. We begin to believe that we deserve how we've been treated. That is a judgment about yourself. That needs to start. That's the place to start for healing. If you believe you are someone that struggles to forgive yourself, just come on up and ask the Lord to heal you there. Can someone help Jason walk up? If you struggle to separate who you are from what you have done or even are currently doing, this is an opportunity to get healed. I'm just going to wait. And I don't think this is something where I pray over you. I think it's something where you come up front and deal with it with your father. Holy Spirit, you authored us. You're the one who wrote the code of who we are. That has not changed. Doesn't matter how old we are doesn't matter what we've experienced. That code is still there and it's still the best. No life experience or person's behavior has altered that code. It hasn't. We now can live as if we've never been hurt. We've never made poor, terrible, unwise decisions, reacted in fear or in anger or a lack of love. God, help us to honor. Help us to see who we really are in you. 
these wrongs that we have believed, that we have built our lives on. Father, they are shaky, sandy foundations, and they have failed us so many times. Oh, Father, heal our hearts that we might see the beauty of who we are just as you created us. We're not weak. We're vulnerable. Designed that way by you, that you would easily influence us. So, Father, those judgments that we had that were weak, Father, I ask that you heal them and show them that we're not weak, we're vulnerable, but we're still strong. Oh, Jesus. These are beautiful hearts you've given us. Would you remove the heart of stone and give us that heart that's soft and tender again? By the anointing of the Father, by His Spirit, I pray that your heart would be healed and that you could say, I forgive you. To you, let yourself be free from every judgment, every false belief that you've created about yourself. It's not who you are. Hear the Father say, I love you. I love you. (laughs) I love you. I keep zero wrongs associated with you. There's none. I cannot think of any wrong you've done. But ask me about your beauty. Ask me about your strength. Ask me about what I put on the inside of you and you won't get me to stop talking. Think of yourself that way too. I bless you as my son. I bless you as my daughter to be that person from this day forward. And every time one of those ugly, negative thoughts come in about yourself, just remind yourself, that's not who I am. It's not who I am. I bless you to believe that you are beautiful, powerful, worth believing in, worth taking steps of faith, expanding, growing, allowing more people to experience you, you're worth that. You were made for that. It's who you are. Thank you, Father. Amen. For all of you that came up, thank you for doing so. Good preaching, Mark. Thank you for trusting the Father 
with your life. And I bless all the rest of you. Be fruitful, multiply, grow, expand. Let people see who you really are and believe who others are the way the Father shows you to, shows you they are. Okay? I bless you to believe what the Father says about others. Believe that about them. Don't trust your negative perspective of other people. Trust God's positive perspective of other people. That's actually your best protection. Your best protection and our best protection is to trust that what God believes about people will be their reality someday. Oftentimes, if we believe negative things about people, they'll feel that and they'll reflect what we believe about them. So decide that what people are is good and watch them reflect that in your life. I hope you believe that. In Jesus' name. Have a great week. World Harvest Outreach is located in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, but we have family around the world. To connect with us, visit us at whocenterpa.com.